Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. body issues selling skin and bones with big boobs i know victoria's secret she was made up she by was made a up dude. by a dude dude <laughs> <laughs> victoria was made up by a dude dude <laughs> yes that's a great one actually for our topic area today yes. So we are doing part three of eating or feeding disorders and uh our song matches Woohoo! so Yeah, we we tried. (laughs) Welcome back for those of you who are new to our show. This is Shit Your Shrink Thinks. It is a podcast where two shrinks tell you what we think about mental health. We will often offer new facts about mental health issues. Then we will offer some ideas for perhaps helping with those issues. Then we try the ideas and we do them somewhat unsuccessfully so that you can do them successfully. Learn from our mistakes. Learn from our mistakes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing our absolute best, and it's okay. Yeah. It's medium. Hey, as long as you're trying, you know, that's all anybody can do. Yes, exactly. So as y'all remember, we do always have a what's good segment at the beginning of the podcast, and it's a segment where we either tell a story that happened from our week or from the past, or we just say something that kind of inspired us during the week. So we're trying to keep the vibes right up in here. Right. So what's your what's good this week, Michaela? My what's good is just something to consider. The same boiling water that softens potatoes will harden an egg. Diamonds are formed under pressure, and bread dough rises when you let it rest. We're all our own things. What's motivating to you may be crippling to others. Hmm. And vice versa. Right. Yeah. I like that. And I can uh, add into that, like, you can select to be around other bread doughs or other eggs. Correct. If that's something you're interested in, you can find your egg clan or your potato people. (laughs) Potato people! Potato people! I think I would prefer not to be under pressure. Sure. I respond well to it. You know, if it is applied, I rise to the occasion typically. So I would be an egg. Boiling water makes me harder. Eh? Yeah. What would you be? uh, Depends on what the pressure is, I think. Yeah. And who's applying it. Because I might just straight up revolt and stab you and turn into some other morphous thing. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The bread came alive. (laughs) It's like jello. You're jello. You're alive. Uh, (laughs) You're sentient. Cyborg. (laughs) No, actually, I feel that very much. It's like, who says I have to obey this this pressure system? Correct. Very much. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. So I would say that depends. I can be very softened or I could definitely be hardened or I could Mm -hmm. just be a straight up G and kick you in the face. I don't know. Yeah. Did you ever, um, this is really dating me. So once upon a time when Facebook was a thing, 
or more of a thing, there was like a period of time where you put your po- put a Pokemon as your profile picture. Do you remember this? I was never really into the Pokemon, so okay, not the Pokies. Yeah, no, the <laughs> Pokemans. My okay, I have two stories about this, but anyway, so it reminded me of I put Metapod as my Pokemon, which is like basically just a chrysalis or a cocoon it's like a creature in a cocoon that can't do anything at all that's awesome and it's, and it's only, like it can't move it can't lunge it can't do anything the only thing it can do is metapod hardens it's like like whenever you click the move in the video game it's like metapod hardens like so it, just ta- it basically just t- takes a beating and sits there looking at you and so i selected that as my pokemon type i don't know if that's the awesome. reason this this <laughs> this is what me- memory that your little uh, information gave to me today. <laughs> Side note, I have some friends who have kids and the kids are really into Pokemons, all the pokies right now. And I was talking to them about Pokemon and kind of how the Pokemon have changed over time. Uh-huh. <laughs> and my friend just like puts his head in from across the room. He's like, are you guys talking about the char lizards? <laughs> And then his wife was like, I think it's the charm lizard. (laughs) For those of you who are not initiated, it's Charizard is the Pokemon they were talking about. The char lizards. (laughs) Uh, That sounds like something I would say. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It made me think of you. Well, Uh, I like that. What's good today. That, That was kind of inspiring. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, so what is your what's good today, Sunny? My what's good is this weekend... We had some friends in town, and I went to one of those rooms where you break a bunch of stuff. You kind of, like, rage out. yeah, rage room. And you break, yeah, it was one of those. And so we booked an hour. There were four people, and you could bring uh, some stuff to smash from, like, Goodwill or Salvation Army. So we went and picked out stuff that looked like it would be fun to break with, like, baseball bats and crowbars. And I picked out these, like, really delicate-looking vases vases yeah they were like all kind of like eastery colors and they were like really delicate and uh they were definitely old so it wasn't like anybody was gonna buy them i wasn't i was kind of like aware while i was in there i was like i don't want to buy anything anybody would actually want right Um, yeah but i was like kind of taking the like leftovers and we went in there and it was glorious the first thing i realized was that i have got way more anger than i thought i did like i thought i was doing really really good managing my rage lately i thought i was doing really good and i got in there and it was like something in my brain was like (laughs) just went haywire with this like baseball bat he was like like i was just smashing stuff on this table like and i woke up and i in another room essentially like i blacked out and i remember one of my friends was like oh shit oh yeah (laughs) Okay, all right. That's that's where I'm at. So there's some fun parts about it, though. We had, they gave you, like, you could smash this big mirror. You could throw stuff at this big mirror. We had, like, glitter bombs. So you could what? throw that's a thing in a jar and it would explode into glitter. Uh, we had crowbars, baseball bats. You obviously wear protective material the sure. whole time, which was really cool. We also had, so it was, like, the types of things you got to smash were... They had a couple of, like, old, old monitors that were no longer working and, like, computer parts. And my husband actually figured out the best thing. So there were these Corona bottles in there, empty Corona bottles. Uh And they made this, like, super satisfying smash. They would kind of, like, shatter into a million bits and make this pop. And 
I was like throwing them up and then smashing them with a baseball bat. Like I would throw them up because yeah. I just play softball. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this surprises nobody. And uh, he discovered he would pitch me the Corona bottle from outside the room and I would just like hit it with baseball bat and smash it and it exploded into a million pieces. It was the most rewarding <laughs> and satisfying thing in the world. And I could see how if you just took a lunch break and just went and did this. And I got to tell you, I was visualizing things that I didn't like or concepts that I didn't like. And so I would just kind of like think about one of the things I was thinking about. I was like, people who take my emotional energy without me are consenting. And then I would just like smash a bottle or whatever. <laughs> it was just awesome. It was so good. So I highly recommend it. I've always to... wanted to try one of those. That does sound so cool. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what we can do whenever we get together. We should smash some stuff. That, that would be fun. That would be fun. Although, I don't know. We couldn't do that if the babies were alive. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We're like, here, hold my baby. Yeah. Like, hold my beer. <laughs> hold my beer. And also my baby. <laughs> hold my Cosmo. Yeah. It was cool because there were these uh, clearly stoner guys who were running the place, yeah. which was amazing. And I was like, I really need some angry music to smash stuff to. And they looked me dead in the eye and were like, we got you, fam. So they had some really good, like, Rage Against the Machine and just, like, old school scary music, Metallica. And it was perfect. We also had, obviously, Exhibit. Y'all going to make me lose my mind up in here. Oh, here. perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was, uh, whatever that song here, was. Or it's, <laughs> yeah whatever that song is where it's like we don't fuck with you oh yeah had enough of here. I don't know ceilings to go yeah it was we don't yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> there was a lot there was a lot of good that's so awesome that was my that was my what's good for the week what is the I feel all... old I think it's an 80s show where they end up taking the computer out like he get does like a meditation yeah. yeah what show is yeah. that I can't think of the name of that movie office space office space oh my god yeah. yes office space yeah, and they're playing like, yes. damn, it feels good to be a gangster yes. or whatever. <laughs> wee, wee, wee. Yeah, that damn played too. it feels too. good to be a gangster. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember the guy, <laughs> Michael Bolton, just like kicking the fax machine over and over yes. again. That feels, yeah, that felt right. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you tried for uh, outside of podcast experimentation. Mine was continued efforts towards body positivity, mm -hmm. just being nice to myself. And mm -hmm. I did adequately. I think it helped that mm -hmm. I didn't put on like super tight clothes this yep. last week. Yes. So that helped me not like notice as much. And mm -hmm. I did pretty decent with saying nice things. Like I, I wasn't I wasn't saying outright mean things. And if I was, you know, kind of a little more like, Ugh, I would kind of be like, nope, we're we're good. This is OK. We're going to be fine. I also You're all right. Yep. I also fit in some crunches. <laughs> <laughs> we are all right. Also, I'm doing crunches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, yeah, we can have two things at one time. Yeah, we can accept we can ourselves say, and want change. Right, exactly. So I think it went pretty well overall. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes sense. I can appreciate that. I was trying to do something very similar. I've gone a different road. I uh, it's kind of like the similar trying to be nice to yourself, but I'm just getting rid of things that fit wildly now and bringing in things that fit better or feel more comfortable. Right. And uh, feel more flattering so that I don't really put myself in a position where I want to be negative towards myself. Mm -hmm. So that's been 
good, I guess. And it's encouraging me to, you know, really look at what sorts of fabrics I'm wearing and whether they're velvety smooth across my body or not. Uh, it's it's got to feel like butter or I'm not wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> so a hundred. That's been yeah, that's been good actually. Uh, it's it is still hard. Like I said, post pregnancy life is really really challenging. I think if you haven't experienced it, I would say maybe like one out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Do not recommend, honestly. But I mean, the baby part's real cool and the family part's real cool. But the the body stuff is a real thing, and it's I think what people don't totally get is that it's not just weight. It's like your literal shape changes. Yeah, and I think people don't totally get that. And so that's another part of just kind of adjusting to, okay, what? Who is this human that I see? Right. Who's this this lady in the mirror? Who's that lady? Who's that lady? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I also feel like not only does your body like shape change, but I feel like my metabolism has changed some as well. Like I don't. I think. Oh, do you mean it? Yeah. You flush it into the toilet? (laughs) (laughs) It's the last shreds. Yeah. It's a. I'm not withstanding some of the junky occasional stuff that I used to withstand near as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, your girl over here has always had always like, had that uh, an Irish famine metabolism. <laughs> like I can survive three potato. Yeah, <laughs> I could. I could survive three winters on tubers. So. <laughs> Look out. When the apocalypse come, you're going to have a harder time killing me than cockroaches. But in our current society, it does not lend itself well. So, but I can, I can certainly relate to that and validate that. It is hard. It's, it's a challenge. It's kind of like take care of your body and nurture it with like healthier things and, and focus on that when your metabolism changes. I, I don't think anybody really uh, mentioned to me how big of a change that was going to be post-pregnancy. But yeah, no, it's a real thing. It's really a big, big change. That's been my experience as well. Yeah. Even with even with a tuber's metabolism. <laughs> <laughs> you get one tuber a month, lady. <laughs> it's your allotment. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. So we're both trying. And, and on that note, so we are talking about eating disorders today. We're talking about part three of eating disorders. Right. And just as a reminder, we always, every time we're doing these disorders conversations, we always want to say that we are trying to do it as lovingly and as in it as possible. And we are never in any place of judgment with anyone. We don't know this perfectly ourselves. So just know that a lot of this information is going to be take what you can that's valuable to you and leave the rest behind. Take the nuggets that are, are useful. Right. Yeah. And to start out with... We are going to do a little bit of discussion on orthorexia. So this is something I don't know much about, but Sunny said she had some good information. And then we're going to, you know, go into just treatment options for eating disorders. But Sunny, tell me a little about this orthorexia. What does that mean? What is it? Yeah. So orthorexia was something that I didn't really know about, and I don't think it's technically in the DSM. It is not. Uh, Yeah. And so this is like something that, I learned about, it's like kind of an anecdotal term, but it does have some, I would say, support in the research. Yeah, is coming evidence. Up. Yeah, there's some new evidence coming up, but wouldn't be surprised if it was like in consideration for, for the next one. DSMs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So this one is orthorexia is summarized as, quote, an obsession with healthy eating with associated restricted behaviors. So your attempts to get to the optimum level of health 
is through some attention to diet that leads could lead to malnourishment or loss of relationships or poor quality of life. So mm. I'm going to give a couple of examples. And it's not like all of these examples are orthorexia. It's like what the result of these examples is. So like, let's say that, okay, like for me, I really actually cannot eat gluten. <laughs> like right. bad things will happen right. to me. If I eat the glutens. But there is a thing, back to my tuber potato famine problem, like I can only eat potatoes and and root vegetables. But some folks, uh, they can eat gluten and they choose not to eat gluten because of like an intolerance. That's all cool. But then there are some folks that have neither an intolerance nor, you know, any problems with it. But they choose not to eat it. Yeah, they choose not to eat it as like more of a restrictive thing. Yeah. Uh, so like this then prevents me from eating all of these quote unquote fattening carbs. That would be something that's more orthorexia related. Like if it triggers you to be unable to even go out to restaurants or if it triggers you to be constantly thinking about it or if it triggers you to like lose too much weight, then that's when, okay, maybe we're thinking orthorexia. Uh, Another really common thing, like I saw this a lot. Sorry, Denver. I am not trying to poop on your city. I actually, I love you, Denver. Uh, But I did see this a lot when I was out in Denver. So like kind of a really like health focused culture, which is super cool Mm -hmm. with like hiking and yoga and jogging and exercise. That's actually really healthy and neat. But the problem is then it becomes like, okay, and I'm vegan. Yeah, right. Like, and I'm vegan and I can't eat gluten and I don't eat dairy, right? Like it's this whole, so it's like you can eat like fish and like vegetables or something, like a pescatarian or whatever. So what it does is it essentially like really limits the amount of foods you can consume and it's in the name of something that is like health focused and getting you to your optimum level of health, but it's actually just this masquerading and it's kind of an eating disorder. Does that make sense? A hundred percent makes sense. Yeah. yeah. They're they're restrictive. They're, they're foods. They're very obsessive uh-huh. about it and constantly yeah. thinking about what they can eat, what they cannot eat when they go places. It's limiting where they yes. can go and how they interact with people because there's certain yes. places and people that they can't interact with because they won't abide by their dietary restrictions. And again, those yes. restrictions are ones they're placing on themselves, not yeah, ones... Yeah, not for like medical reasons. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... I mean, and that's like a tough one to kind of quote unquote prove. Sure. Like that's a, that would be a really hard one to, because a lot of those changes actually are healthy and then it's, they get kind of taken to an unhealthy extreme. So, and I saw this when I was in LA a lot. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. My guesstimation is if this would become an actual diagnosis, it would be one of those things where somebody comes in to treat anxiety or depression and then the way they describe their lifestyle and their restrictions mm-hmm. and what they're mm-hmm. doing and not doing is when the person would say, mm-hmm. mm, you might also have this going on. You know, we're yeah, having a little right. bit of, a, you know, obsessive behaviors with our, our food intake and it is impacting our functioning and our socialization, yes. Yes. you know. And that's and that's when it becomes an issue. Yeah. People probably wouldn't self-present with this right. concern. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is, is it's like when it's consuming all of your thoughts yes. and all of the time in your mind, that's another signal that it might be kind of going a little too far because you don't have mental energy to think about much else. Mm-hmm. So those are some kind of signs. Right. Yeah. I, I've seen some people where they'll be like, I'm not having anything with like red dye, number 12 mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not for any real mm-hmm. reason, but it's it's bad. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, some yeah. of those kind of specific. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be, yeah. And it's like, okay, so like red dye might not be good for you, but then it's like, 
it kind of generalizes into all of these other issues and it starts to kind of snowball and then it's like picking and choosing. Right. Well, and then they're, they're making their own meals while their family has something else. And every Mm -hmm. time they go to some kind of event, they have to make, you know, bring their own stuff um, because, and then it's like no coincidence that that stuff is like very low calorie usually. And and then they don't need a whole lot of it, right. et cetera. So it's it, it's a lot of things on one thing. It's not just your standard, like, oh, I'm vegetarian, so I bring my own meal. It's way more than that right. on top of it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit today, too, about treatment options for these sorts of things. And as you guys usually know, eating disorders are treated in both outpatient and inpatient settings. So... This is something that is, you would treat it in a lot of different ways, depending on the kind of severity that you have in front of you. And you you can determine the kind of severity based on what the medical issues surrounding it are. Uh, But sometimes inpatient is required. And -hmm. in these cases, the person could be hospitalized or placed in a live-in treatment program designed to help overcome the eating disorder. And generally, this is only necessary if your body weight is putting your health at risk or if you're demonstrating suicidal behaviors. But it, it can be a thing. You might need to go to a day program if you are to a point where, you know, you are demonstrating medical consequences, you're medically underweight, etc. So that is one option for treatment. Tell us more. Most eating disorder treatments typically include a combination of psychotherapy, nutrition education, and medical and nutritional monitoring, and sometimes even those medications. So some of the evidence-based yeah. psychotherapies First and foremost, I feel like this always comes up, but cognitive behavioral therapy. It's one of the most common used. Um, So it's going to focus on your cognitive processes, your beliefs and values, and the process that is maintaining your eating disorder behavior. So it aims to modify the distorted beliefs and attitudes about the meaning of weight, shape, and appearance, which are correlated to the development and maintenance of that eating disorder. Right. So it's like, what does being thin mean to you? Why is it so important? Who says it's important? Why do you, why do they tell you it's important? What do they gain from creating thin inspiration or whatever? So it starts to get you to kind of question where you came up with the belief that thinness is absolutely critical to survival, um, why it is tied to validation, and it starts to challenge those belief systems Mm -hmm. and thought patterns. And then it also asks you to challenge some of the behaviors as well. And a lot of times they'll tie this to like nutritional consults or dietitian consults where uh, the dietitian can give you some specific behavior changes to make and the therapist to kind of support those behavior changes. Like if the dietitian wants you to maybe start eating breakfast, let's say that could be a really, that's a really common place that people start or like, have you eat every like four hours minimum or five hours minimum, they, that will be something of a behavior change that matches CBT that a therapist would then support. So a lot of times you like uh, work together as a team for an eating disorder on, on CBT. Right. And I think with most of the psychological treatments you do you do need that nutritional component because an expert in that field can better help a person and engage like you said in those behaviors to have a healthier Mm -hmm. diet and a healthier approach to their eating habits Um, whereas we're not necessarily trained in that (laughs) we can help Mm -hmm. with the thoughts and like you said the belief Mm -hmm. systems behind it that are motivating it but we may not Mm -hmm. have the full nutritional education to help you take the exactly right behavior steps. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like we can, there are certain, you know, health psych, health social work focused kind of internships and residencies where you do learn a lot more about it, but like standard issue therapists might not always know unless they're kind of a specialist. So yeah, it could be helpful to include dietitian or medicine. Although uh, my experience is that working on a clinical team, it's not usually the nurse practitioner or the physician or the PA who's really helping with the dietary changes. They're more in charge of like the medication stuff. Right. Any kind of like antidepressants or whatever that needs to happen. Yeah. So another type of therapy that's usually a good option if you have some sort of eating challenges would be dialectical behavioral therapy. And this is a behavioral treatment that's supported by empirical evidence for binge eating, bulimia, and anorexia. And it assumes that the best place to begin treatment is changing behaviors. And it focuses on developing skills to replace the maladaptive eating disorder behaviors and skills focused on building mindfulness and interpersonal relationships, emotion regulation, and distress tolerance. So this is something, honestly, everybody could use. I mean, like, everybody could use some level of DBT skills. Agreed. (laughs) It just is that... It's just that eating disorders are particularly responsive to DBT because a, lo- a big part of it is emotion dysregulation. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's such a huge part of DBT skills that it ends up being really valuable. And DBT was initially uh, developed to treat borderline personality disorder. And we do talk about that um, in another episode. And it's currently being used to treat eating disorders as well as substance use. And I use it a lot in PTSD treatment, actually. Uh, yeah. So it's it's kind of really generalized more. It has been. And I use it a lot. I mean, I use it, like you said, everybody could use some of these skills. I use it with depression and anxiety even, too. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Those emotional labeling skills are critical. Yeah, they are. Another treatment that is often really recommended, especially for people like adolescents or children with eating disorders, is family therapy or family-based treatment. So this type of treatment, all family members are kind of considered an essential part of treatment. So this means not just the parents and the one child. It's going to wrap around everybody. And it can help improve that family communication as well as teach parents how to best support their child in recovery. It consists of re-establishing healthy eating, trying to restore some weight, uh, interrupt those compensating behaviors, returning control of eating back to the adolescents so like so they can still feel like they're in control. This way, the family can really wrap around the, the child and make sure that they're helping them with their habits and behaviors and are encouraging in a positive way, <laughs> uh, being yeah. mindful of the way that they're communicating with their child and what kind of things they're saying. Yeah. A lot of times you see an issue where, like, a parent might have some of their own struggles with eating yeah. or some of their own struggles with body image and, like, accidentally maybe uh, put that down the line onto the child. And so they might not totally be aware of some of the messaging they're giving. And so, like, in therapy or in treatment – you know, an adolescent is getting messaging against an eating disorder, but maybe the messages towards the eating disorder are still reinforced in the home, um, which we don't want. And so that's why family therapy is such a good additional option, because it helps parents understand, like, what is my role in this? How can I be supportive? How can I kind of watch things that are warning signs? How can I mm-hmm. help myself to feel a little bit better? So I help my child to feel a little bit better. Family therapy is dope. Yeah. 
and acceptance and commitment therapy and interpersonal psychotherapy as well as options. So, you know, ACT focuses on changing your actions rather than your thoughts and feelings. Uh, So the patients are taught to identify their core values and commit to creating goals to fulfill these values. And it encourages the patients to detach themselves from the emotions and learn that the pain and anxiety are normal parts of life. So the goal isn't necessarily to feel good, but to live an authentic life. Um, through living a good life, people then often start to feel a little bit better. And so if you're engaging with those values, I mean, if your value is actually to be healthy, right, or your value is to look nice, Mm -hmm. you can engage in behaviors that help you in that way that aren't hurting you, right? So we're focusing more on the behavior as opposed to fighting against those thoughts and emotions. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, my, my own, application of living is like a full act model like the way that i choose to live is like totally and fully consistent with act i'm like i'm feeling depressed today better do something that's in line with my value of humor right like i don't it doesn't your feelings are not necessarily as relevant they're important indicators like you check them out and you're like huh that might mean this or that or i need this or that but they're not the thing that like stops you necessarily from doing something so if you're a crusty bastard like myself act might be useful (laughs) yeah i think it it is really beneficial again i think it's something that i know cognitive behavioral therapy is often gold standard for a lot of things but not a lot of people can vibe with that you know not a lot of people can vibe with trying to challenge their thoughts and their emotions and kind of trying to turn the way they feel it's like the food analogy you made earlier it's like yes some bread rises when you leave it alone some eggs harden when you boil them it's like it depends on what type of food you are what therapy you're going to respond to right and then the yeah. interpersonal psychotherapy contextualize eating disorder symptoms as occurring and being maintained within a social and interpersonal context so it's kind of looking at yeah. the societal aspect and I love that one. Yeah. So it's associated with specific tasks and strategies linked to the resolution of specified interpersonal problem areas. And the four problem areas tend to be uh, include grief, interpersonal role disputes. So, you know, argument typey stuff, role transitions and interpersonal mm-hmm. deficits. So areas that were maybe a little low on our social skills. So it helps the client improve their relationships and communication and resolve those issues with other people in the identified kind of problem areas, which results then in a reduction of the eating disorder symptoms. Yeah, I really like that. And I think that's like highly, highly, highly necessary. I also think, side note, sometimes I've just treated trauma when somebody is unwilling to work towards an -hmm. eating disorder resolution. And sometimes that backdoor helps people. I'm all about just kind of meeting somebody where they're at. Obviously, unless it's like medically significant, right, we need right. to treat it like now. Right. <laughs> that's, yes. a, that's a different. That's a different ballpark. But if it's not yet at a point where it's like medically causing something, yeah, huge, yeah, then sometimes I'll go around the back door and treat the trauma behind it, and sometimes that loosens the grip a little bit, yeah, so that I can do one of the other things. Yeah. So d- tell me a little bit about you know where else people might find additional support. 
A lot of times people can find extra support with medication management. So antidepressant, anti-anxiety meds, they can help them with their therapy. A lot of times you're going to have a comorbid thing going on here. I don't know if I've ever seen somebody have an eating disorder without having something else attack, you know, like you said, there's a yeah. trauma, there's a de- depressive mm-hmm. episode, there's some bipolar, there's something Anxiety. going on. Yeah. yeah outside yeah. of that. We're not medication providers is outside of our scope, but it can help give people the oomph to do the behavior changes that they need to do to help them move forward. Yeah. And I've also seen like group support being useful for people like group. Oh, yeah. Normalization there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think there's just like many paths to roam when it comes to eating problems. And again, it depends on the eating problem, whether it's binge eating, bulimia, anorexia, or just something, you know, other other unspecified (laughs) that could it just depends on the issue, really. Yeah. So based on what we're talking about today, what do we want to try for outside of podcast experimentation? I want to sort of stay in the same realm, but I think I want Mm -hmm. to make a little bit more of the behavioral efforts. So, you know, I did crunches once. Uh, Maybe I could. (laughs) (laughs) Crunches one time. Right. So maybe I could do that. I used to do them daily back in the day when, you know, I was a little intense. (laughs) So maybe I can increase you know, just those kind of efforts or like, you know, doing squats while holding the baby, like just different little things that kind of, if if I'm anxious about it and concerned, take a few steps, maybe be a little more mindful of not eating junk, some stuff, you know, taking a few of those little behavioral steps along with trying to still continue to be at least like not mean to myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the, the motivation behind the exercise really matters. Right. So like, A lot of it's more eating disordered if you're like, "Ah, I'm going to be super thin and that's why I'm exercising. Or if you're exercising because you're like, I just want to feel a little stronger and a little bit better in my body. That's kind of a different thing. And if you're doing it for the right reasons, hey, all right. Right. Like, yep, I want to feel healthy. Your fitness. Yep. I want to feel healthy. I want to feel like I can, you know, carry the babe on my back up a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah heck yeah wonder woman so, i like yeah. it wonder woman <laughs> yes yes how about you i am going to try to go back to i'm doing a thing where i'm always worried about what other people are feeling and thinking right now Uh-oh. and i'm gonna do a thing i'm in the progress right now of already doing a homework so i'm just gonna keep doing that homework and the homework i'm doing is like It's kind of like an anti-people-pleasing antidote where you just kind of every time you're worried about what somebody else is doing, thinking or feeling and trying to help them, then you just kind of internally go back to like, okay, but what am I feeling and thinking and what do I need? And so usually for me, it's like, if I can't figure something out, I'll go with like, drink some water, go for a walk. I have like a couple of standards. If I can't figure out what the hell I need, then, you know, then I'll do one of those. And then if I'm you know, still thinking about whatever the thing is afterwards, I can attend to somebody else, but I have to like first meet my needs. And so, yeah, I'm going to keep trying that. It's been working out well. It's a fun little exercise for those of us who find that we're always just kind of trying to take care of other people. Yeah, I like that. And I think, I mean, it's very related to this topic, right? Where when you're focused on other people's perceptions or needs and Mm -hmm. redirecting to what you really need. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I have a joke for you today. Yay! Okay. Hit me up. It's a, it's a food-related joke. Okay. Mine is not, but so, go. <laughs> okay, okay. What is the nosiest kind of pepper? 
Oh, I think I know this one. It's a it's a jalapeno because it's all up in your business or something like that. Because it's yeah, yeah, because it's jalapeno business. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, right? I do. I love that one. Okay. Did you know wizards and witches don't actually fart? Huh? They cast smells. <laughs> You <laughs> fault, Michaela. Oh, <laughs> I like I'm it. That's good. <laughs> it was too funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And remember to please follow our podcast, rate, subscribe, and review us. And also consider even joining our Patreon and yeah. putting a tip in our tip jar. That's www.patreon.com forward slash shit you shrink things. And we have so appreciated your life minute spent with us today. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.